Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Walton College. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. My guest today is Professor Mary Lassity, director of our Blockchain Center of Excellence at the Walton College. Mary literally wrote the book on the importance of blockchain for the future of business. It's called Blockchain for Business, but that's only one of the reasons she is acknowledged as a leader in blockchain. Mary's passion is educating and challenging students and future leaders about emerging blockchain technology, which uses a crowd of independent computers to secure a permanent record of transactions. Blockchain, while still in its infancy, is already impacting financial models and supply chains. It is probably best known for its association with cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, but Professor Lassity is exploring ways it can produce a healthier, more secure world and how companies and startups can benefit from it. Mary, in layman's terms. Yes. <laughs> what is blockchain? Okay. All right. Well, there's a couple ways we can we could talk about it. We could pretend we're talking to my mother, right? How do I explain it okay. to her? So one of the things I say, it's a completely different way to design a computer application. So right now, before blockchains, you can think every company, one company, one application, right? One company, one ERP system, one company, one sales system, one company, you know, whatever it is, every company had their arms around one application. What a blockchain application is, it's a shared application. So across companies, it's one application that is shared. And that gives you some real benefits. So you have one shared version of data. So everybody agrees on the sequencing and the, you know, the transaction validity. And you also have to share power. So it's the whole idea of sharing a blockchain application rather than just having one company's um, internal system. When blockchains are talked about, m many times I hear people talking about cryptography as well. Yes. How does that fit in? To understand the blockchain landscape is really made up of two completely different types of components. I like to think of the soundtrack of blockchain from West Side Story. Do you remember the sharks and the jets like do 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 do? Remember that song, right? So the blockchain landscape is really made up of what I call the hoodies which is the permissionless, cypherpunk, public blockchains, open source, and the what I call the suits, the enterprise blockchains, which are looking at more sustaining and more adaptive um, types of versions of blockchain applications. And they're really two different worlds. They really don't merge right now. So the Blockchain Center of Excellence is very much right now in the suit category. If you look at our executive advisory board members, they have pesky things like regulations and compliance. So their blockchain applications look very different than the blockchain applications in the hoodie world. That said, one of our goals for the next year for the Blockchain Center of Excellence is to get more engaged in the hoodie world because I think a lot of our students are interested in that. And a good little metric for that is our last blockchain conference much of our program was in the suit world, but we did engage some of the hoodie world, and that's where our students went. When they had a choice, where could they go participate and learn that that's the, the place they went to look? The conference is great, and I, I heard great things about it, but you also have a hackathon, right? 
The real mission of the Blockchain Center of Excellence is to really excel at both research and education on blockchain technologies. And one of the things that I think is really special about what we've done here at the University of Arkansas, in fact, IBM calls it the Arkansas model around the world. We've really integrated our business executives in our curriculum. So in the fall, we have a hackathon. We've done it for two years already. And we have students that work on use cases that are pitched to them by our executive advisory board members. And typically you don't get much done in a week-long hackathon, but these become the course-long projects in our students' curriculum. And they stay engaged with our executive advisory board members. They serve as subject matter experts on their projects. And then the last day of class, they are invited back. The executive advisory board members are back to see the proof of concepts that they developed. One of the use cases was actually from the governor's office. So instead of asking the governor to come back to campus to, to hear the student presentations, he invited our students to come see him at the Capitol. So we took 10 of our students in December to present their proof of concept for the state, which was a blockchain application for birth certificates. So think about how that could be integrated with like the Department of Motor Vehicles or when you get married or any other kind of legal transactions that happen that you need to have a state identification for. You know, a lot of people in Northwest Arkansas a lot of companies here seem to have interest in blockchain. Why, why do you think that is? Well, I think because it can really solve business problems, and I think that's the main impetus for it. What's most interesting is, you know, I'm here as the center of blockchain excellence. I'm supposed to be advocating for this technology, but that's never been my interest or the interest of any of our executive advisory board member firms. They're there looking to solve problems. How do I trace food from farm to fork? Or how do I trace fish from sea to table? You know, or how do I track an asset all the way through a supply chain? Um, those are the types of problems that they're looking at. And blockchain is just one component of their overall solutions. So one of the things that I really see strong use cases in supply chain really involve three technologies. The first is IoT devices, any kind of sensor, because that means you're going to get good data. Right? Mm -hmm. You have to have good data going into a system. So if you have good objective data going in, you could put that data on a blockchain, which we know is secure and immutable, and everyone now trusts the data. And then you want to run analytics so that you can do business decisions and get something valuable out of it. So more and more, our conversations are looking at a marrying of multiple types of technologies, not just blockchains. Now, the blockchain book you wrote is based on your research and a bunch of interviews you've done and surveys, and then just your own observations was it hard to find people? I mean, this is still such a new topic, and mm -hmm. your book was published a year a year ago. I would think it would be hard to find people to interview, was it? Well, that book actually came out of the research. I was a visiting professor at MIT in the Sloan School of Management in the Center for Information Systems Research, and I was leading a project on how are enterprises getting ready for a blockchain world. So I sort of had good connections through MIT to start really doing interviews in some of the large banks because financial services was really the first place looking at the potential value or disruption that blockchain technologies would build. Then I did about 10 case studies um, initially, and this was my most telling question. You know, you read about the JP Morgans and, you know, the State Streets and that they're doing all this stuff, but you'd say to them, how many people inside your organization are devoted to blockchain applications? And guess what kind of numbers I was getting? Small, you know. 
two, three, four, you know, you get 280,000 oh, yeah. employees. So then I started saying, who's making money? Who's making money in this space? And who was making money in this space were the providers that are investing in it heavily. So then we pivoted to like the IBMs and the Deloitte's and the Capgeminis and the Wipros. And they had lots of use cases across multiple client firms. So I went there. And then the last little group I really wanted to study was the startups, because we know from Clayton Christensen's theory of disruptive innovation that much of that disruption will probably come from the startup community. So that book's based on interviews in 30 organizations, either traditional incumbents, providers, and the startup community. You are the director of the Blockchain Center of Excellence, and um, but I also know you're very collaborative, and so you're, you've included people from across campus in what you're doing. Not ju it's not just in the Information Systems Department. What else is going on on campus? Well, there's actually a lot going on, but I wouldn't say it's me reaching out and being collaborative so much as I'm just, I just become aware of what some of the other initiatives, I mean, there, there's been research on this campus in blockchains way before I even got here. So over in the School of Law, Carol Goforth is really one of the, she's an amazing leader in the space of law. And I will be collaborating with her in that she invited me to come speak at her cryptocurrency and law conference that she's doing in October of this year. So she's that, doing a conference? Yeah, she's doing a conference, a full-day conference. I'm excited about that. I'm also trying to get her involved because uh, one of the things people have reached out, there's some legislation in the state of Arkansas now to make a smart contract a legal contract, and that's very controversial. So this will be very interesting. I don't know much about how to write <laughs> legislation, so they asked me to look at it, and I did. So some of the other research that's being done on campus is from the School of Agriculture. So I'm actually working with um, two professors, and the question that we're asking is, will consumers pay more money for food that is verified and tracked on a blockchain application? So it's a scenario-based experiment, and we're just in, about in the process of going, getting an IRB to uh, launch that research. Soon. And so I'm presuming that, that they might be willing to pay more because of the fact that there's more assurance that if this says it's organic, that it is organic, because we know where it came from. I remember I read a statistic or, or heard a statistic that said there's quite a bit more organic food sold in That's the U.S. Yes. or in the world than is produced in yes. the world. The idea of a blockchain application is more than just a certification sticker. It would be you'd be able to take your cell phone, put it over the product, and then see its entire history like what farm it came from or what part of the ocean it was it was fished from. You know, but it costs money, so will consumers pay more money Could for you that? see a picture of the fish? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you pro yeah, absolutely you could. We actually have uh, right here in Arkansas, Grassroots, are you familiar with them? They're out of Little Rock. I've heard of it, but I, I don't know much about it. So they've built a blockchain application for organic is hens or chickens, I'm not quite sure what they do, but you can go to in the store today and put your cell phone over it. All you need is a normal cell phone. You don't need any special app. And you put your you just put your phone over the sticker and it says, Will you you know, we accept this date, you click yes and then it'll show you that where it came from and who had it and where it was in transit. So we have applications already today. And I know there's another project we've been working on around smart resumes, is that what they're called? Oh, yes, that's right, the credentials. Okay, well, that's Dave Wangel, and he is the CEO of Adatify, and he's put together an ecosystem, not just of universities around Arkansas, but also some of the government institutions. And the idea here is think of LinkedIn, but the fact that all the data on LinkedIn would be certified. 
So right now, anyone can go to LinkedIn and create a profile. You can make up that you have certificates and degrees you don't have. And so what Dave's idea is a person does not create the start of their own resume. It would be like a university. And so we've got 20 of our students in this pilot project and our registrar created their, their first entries in a smart resume. It says, yes, you are a Walton leader. Yes, you, are, you, you have an undergraduate degree here from the University of Arkansas. And then that credential is stored on the Identify blockchain. And so it can't be tampered with. The Smart Resume Project allows people to modify their resumes to add things, but it's very clear to like an employer which part of the resume has been certified by a third, a legitimate third party or has been entered by the person themselves. An example of working with the government is I think pipe fitters, I may have this wrong, but it's a technical skill and apparently that also is a credentialing challenge. So he's partnered with whoever whoever does these other kinds of technical skills that they would write that part of the SMART resume and certify it. That's so amazing. So Mary, I know over the past 20 some years you've been primarily teaching graduate students. And this semester for the first time, you're teaching undergraduates. Yes. Would you mind telling us about that? It's been a wonderful experience. So I'm teaching blockchain fundamentals have uh, 14 students enrolled in the class. It's a it's listed as an experimental course until our curriculum was finalized. So it'll have an actual home course number in the fall. But I'm very excited to have these 14 students. I'm going to say half of them are from supply chain. And I, the other half are primarily information systems, although I do have one computer science student in the class. It's been really exciting to work with them. I get inspired every Friday. We have class from 9 to 12. They have picked projects that they are working on. So the first project they did is they picked a different cryptocurrency and they did deep dives into looking at their white papers, how much money they raised with their ICOs, where they are today. They did an analysis of the good and bad press that came out from those cryptocurrencies. And then the second project they're looking at are business applications. So they, they picked what they wanted to study and all of them picked startups. They were really interested in learning what the startups were doing. When you're teaching a course like Introduction to Marketing or Introduction to Human Resources Management or whatever, you can look at textbooks and tons of syllabi that are out there. And that helps you in creating a course. But you have written a book, but there's still not a lot of material uh is there? Yeah, well, my book is plenty material. And one of the things that I always, I've done in the classroom is I'm updating it. So in class, they read the chapter before they come to class. And then we talk about what's been, what's different in just six months. And so we, we really discuss a lot about trends and where things are going. So for example, in the book, the book talked a lot about initial coin offerings as a way to finance startups. That model has completely fallen off in the last year because the SEC has really stepped in, has come down hard on some of the ICOs. So now what we're seeing is a pivot back to traditional venture capital. So we, we have those kinds of discussions. The major message that I'm trying to teach our students is this really doesn't matter that we're talking about blockchain technologies this year. What we're, what we're trying to instill in our students is to become lifelong learners. Right? So they're going to learn this technology this year, and maybe what they're learning in the classroom will be relevant for a year or two. But it's really about getting in the habit of being willing and open to learn something new and to, be, and to teach yourself. I said, nobody taught, nobody taught me blockchains. I taught myself. Right? And whatever, whatever we're going to talk about next year, whether it's you know, quantum computing, that what our employers really want are bright, motivated people 
that are anxious to always be learning. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for thank you. talking to me today. It was, uh, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now Be Epic.